I'm ready whenever are you, you are. Rolling? Yeah, we're rolling. Oh, we're rolling. snaps, Marshall. <laughs> Hi. We're back for the Draftsman podcast. Let's do a podcast. That's what I just said. Oh, well, I was just kind of cheering you on. Are we going for the awkward intros every time? No, because eventually they'll become so normal that they'll be comfortable and people will see through the false awkwardness and know that they're really at ease. People okay. are clamoring for the singing intros. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not prepared. Sorry. You're always prepared to sing. <sighs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, guys, welcome to the Draftsman Show. Um, today we're going to talk about habits for success. Habits as, for success. As an artist. But they're probably good habits for anybody. Yeah, but we've given them more thought about how artists yeah. succeed and don't. So this is True. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I like that sound. It's a little rat. For I those thought who can't you were see. drinking. You're like finishing your coffee. The, the slurp sound. <laughs> it sounded the, like a slurp. When you slurp, you know you're comfortable. You're, you know you're in the presence of someone with whom you can be a slurper. You slurp in Japan, it's a sign of respect. Yeah, slurping He's, is, I enjoying. think, a good thing. I didn't know that in Japan you slurp out of respect. Shows that you belch. really appreciate the meal. Belching too, right? That I haven't heard. I heard that just showing any way that that you're enjoying the food that could is be. respectful. Yeah. Like if you're sweating and slurping and and burping, it's like wow, that guy's really into that food. It's yeah. It's <laughs> also there's a kind of family togetherness with it. This is yeah. us. Habits of there success. There was one dinner I was having, and what, what, I think the dad just farted, and it was totally cool. And we're, my mom and I looked at each other like, what the hell? <laughs> I guess that's cool, too. Sure, if you're in a family. <laughs> yeah, but we were over. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. I was young, so I don't, I don't that remember. That means you're part being... of the family. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes it so sure. that, yeah, yeah, you're, we're comfortable around you. Yeah, yeah. Cool. What do you want to talk about today? Habits, habits for success. success. I'm working on an episode, and it started as an episode that was called Five Habits for Success. And uh, me and April, the, the writer that you recommended to me, again. Mm -hmm. April Erickson. Yes. Um, we were, we had several Skype sessions and eventually we came up with like 22 habits for success. That's a lot. <laughs> and so now like, wow, great. Okay. That's like a two hour episode. Mm -hmm. So uh, we haven't split them up yet into several episodes, but I think at this stage, it'd be nice to talk to you about them. Okay. So that's, that's how this episode came out. I'm, I'm Should ready. I read them? Yeah, how many are there now? 20? I think there's 22. Anything that adds up to 22, I worry about, though. 23. 23, yeah, yeah. So that's, is that a better number for you? Yeah, but it, of course, when you've got that many, my inclination is going to be to clump these together into groups, which I assume you've already done. That's what I'm trying yeah. to do, because if we can clump them into groups, then we can make them into separate episodes. Got it. Okay. But I haven't clumped them in the groups yet. Well, in the interest of time, and because when people are listening, they say, I don't know what I want to sit through 23, why don't you read them rapidly? Yes, I'm just going to read them all. Okay. And then we can choose a few, because there's no way we can talk about all of them. Okay, number one, draw from life. Yeah. Number two, draw in your head. Number three, become your own best critic. Four, get information from multiple sources. That's one that we don't have too much information on. We might actually cut that one out. 
Mm-hmm. You don't want to cut that one out? Mm-hmm. Well, oh, like we'll that. just keep going. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. Five, train like an athlete. Six, break big things into smaller things. Seven, protect your most creative time. Mm-hmm. Eight, go beyond the minimum requirements. Nine, think like a kid. Ten, research, research, research. Some of these, I'm, I don't like remember. That's like thinking like a grown-up. <laughs> what? <laughs> think like a kid, think like a grown-up. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, some of these, I don't remember exactly what uh, we were going to say about them based yeah. on just the name of the habit. Think like a kid has to be developed. Otherwise, it's a yeah. guy, think like a kid, think like, like a girl. Oh, okay. What's that mean? Yeah. yeah. Patience. It's 11. 12. Draw things you enjoy. 13. Remix your inspiration. Hmm. That's one I don't remember what that no, means. No, <laughs> I like that. That's, that's, a, that's the art parents thing. Mm. You're probably right. 14, share what you learn. Mm-hmm. I think that means teach. Yeah. <laughs> Number 15, spend time with other artists. 16, say no. 17, say yes. <laughs> Good, I was hoping there'd be a counterpoint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 18, make ugly drawings. You're really good at that. I'm, I am. <laughs> I've got kidding. that one Marshall's going. Marshall's really yeah. good, actually. That is something I committed to and have been committed to it for years. Oh, come on. I was Seriously. Kidding. Number 19, exercise. Number 20, draw daily. 21, finish what you start. 22, discipline. And then in parentheses I have, is discipline a habit? <laughs> yeah, okay. We, do, is, do, do, has, did you? No, there's 23. Yeah, so there's the, 23. Third, the, the 23rd one is master your calendar. And master I think we've already kind of talked yeah. about that before, but um, we had a scheduling episode. Okay, That's thoughts. Good, thoughts on my 23. It's a good list. And my first feeling is like it's just, it's hard to keep track of all of those things. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it, here's what happens as you read them, and my mind races. Yeah. It races in a couple directions that each one is a setup for the next one. Oh, it's not. That, that Some are, say no and so then yeah. say yes is a setup. Yes. Because truths come in contradictory pairs. Uh, the other is that some of them need to be elaborated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So let's, why don't we, should we put a one minute timer on each one of these things? Before I do, is there anything that you were hoping would be on there that you didn't hear? Hmm. It'll occur to me as we go through them. Okay. So there's the list before we jump into it. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about what is success anyway? Good question. We kind of have to start with that. Um, and to, to me, the person th- that is trying to develop habits for success needs to first determine what to, success to them means. So, th- I see multiple things here. Is it that you learned something during the process of making your drawing or painting? Mm-hmm. You know, it might not have become a good drawing, but you learned a lot. That could be a successful session. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it that you like your result or is it that you sold your result? Because the most successful piece might be a piece that never sold. Sure. Van Gogh's successes didn't sell. Well, then he's just a big failure. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's how he would have been branded that way at the time. Yeah. So, yes, we need to define it. Well, not we. I think the per- everyone needs to define it for themselves. Yes. And each piece could have a different motive. Didn't somebody ask, how do you set yourself up for success in yes. a painting? 
how do you set yourself up? My answer to that was going to be, well, what is, what do you mean a success? So the first thing to do is to define what you mean. Yeah. Yes. If you mean that you're going to like your result or you're going to sell it, well, the best way to set yourself up for success is to just get really good at drawing or painting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way. Connect with a market yeah. also, even if you aren't good at drawing and painting, but you've got a market that likes this particular thing, sure. that would be successful selling. True. Have you seen the Courier and Ives prints? Maybe. This is from the 19th century. Courier no. and Ives put together these prints that sold everywhere in the United States. And they were a commercial success. They were the Thomas Kincaid success of the 19th century. And when you look at them now, they are just so unimpressive. Hmm. But the fact that they were prints that you could buy for a reasonable, a reasonable amount and put them in your living room made them sell gazillions of them. So they were very successful, but nobody really looks back at them now as good art. That's an example of someone who was financially successful, even if art historians don't fawn hmm. over them. Cool. You want to jump into the list or do you have? Yeah, let's jump into the list. Let's do these one minute at a time. I put a, uh, Charlie, can you put a timer on them for one minute? Oh, geez. I'll start the clock. We there can use no less way. than a minute. And then if we need an extra minute, we, we can each get a minute? appeal. No, oh, no because you might have something to say. 23 with, times two minutes yeah, would end up long. being 46 minutes yeah, yeah. total. Yeah, let's. There's no way. We're not getting through this episode. This is going to take forever. One minute I per predict topic. We get through half of them and we're like, well, there's the show. <laughs> Stick around for next week. Go. First one is draw from life. You begin. <laughs> Everybody says that. Everyone says that. Yeah. Well, it's useful because photographs don't capture everything. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're painting. Mm -hmm. Color information is is lost. Mm -hmm. So much of it is lost. Um, also, your the ability to take a 3D object that you're seeing and transform it into a 2D picture mm -hmm. is a very important skill, I think. But if you're drawing from a photograph, you're not making that translation. You're going from 2D to 2D. And they are two different things. Yes. Lion Decker was not into using photographs. Uh, Rockwell eventually began using photographs. Lion Decker believed that you work from the three-dimensional thing that is in your environment that when you move your head mm -hmm. back and forth, it's going to change. Yeah. Don Lagerberg That's even suggested way. that Michelangelo, minutes up. <laughs> no! Give me, give me 20 seconds. <laughs> That's uh, what I thought would happen. Don Lagerberg suggested Michelangelo was working from the figure and moving his head like this and moving his head like this and kind of spreading it out. They're, they do uh -huh. have a quality like that. And you're not going to get that from a photograph in the same way that you're going to get it when you've got this complex thing of going from 3D to yeah. 2D. But drawing from life is what everybody, I mean, this is one yeah. of the first things on everybody's list. And I think that drawing from life helps you get better at drawing from photographs. Yeah. So anyway, okay. yeah, cool. There's that habit. Wow, we went Draw over a minute. Life. We Boy, went what? Under a minute? Is that what you said? Over a minute, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not, going we're not doing good. Time works in weird ways. <laughs> yeah. The Go ahead. Universe. You're on what? Einstein time? Is that what you guys call it? Yeah. Uh, number, ooh, this one, I like this one. Okay. Number two is draw in your head. What I mean by that is when you're not in the studio, you don't have a sketchbook. Let's say you're driving and there's these clouds. Maybe not when you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done it when I was driving, but... When you're just you're having a picnic and there's these, these beautiful clouds in the sky, instead of trying to find pictures, instead paint a picture in your head of this thing that you're seeing. Yeah. 
you know, what are the edges? How would, where would you put the sharp edges? Where would you put the soft edges? What mm-hmm. color gradations would you put? Um, wh- how would you mix those colors? Mm-hmm. You start making these micro decisions in your head. You don't have to paint the whole picture. Um, but just start making these little decisions and make it a habit where you don't have to force yourself to paint the picture in front of you. It just naturally happens. You look at something and you're like, how would I solve this? Yeah. What are the simple forms of this guy? Yeah. Actions usually come out of thoughts anyway and imagination anyway. So you're essentially preparing yourself to do a better drawing. That's the minute. By doing in the work. It's a minute. Shut uh-huh. up, Charlie. Give, give me, We're having me, a give good me conversation. 10 to 15 seconds. <laughs> Okay, now I'm going to ask for 20. Uh, When my colleagues and I were trying to be illustrators, we went and spent a a long evening with Jim Lamb. He was very uh, generous with his time. And we asked him, do you do comp studies? Because we have been told, do comp studies. That's a responsible professional thing to do. And he paused for a long time before he answered. I think I know what was going on in his head. If I tell them the truth, I'll be a bad influence. And if I lie, I lie. But what came out of his mouth was, I do a lot of comp studies in my head. Hmm. And thought, you earn the right to that. You do a lot of comp studies, eventually you're able to imagine what you would do. Yeah. So number three is become your own best critic. All right, so what I mean by that is you have to be able to increase your feedback loop. We talked about the feedback loop uh, several episodes ago mm-hmm. where in order to improve you need to constantly get feedback on your actions yeah. to, to learn anything um, and so if you create be creative with how you get that feedback you can't rely on a teacher all the time mm-hmm. to give it to you so for example when I was a student and I was really trying to improve my proportions because it was just always off and I was getting frustrated I would draw from a photograph specifically for this exercise, I would then draw it one-to-one scale and then I would scan my drawing in so there's no proportion distortion with my camera angle or anything. And then I would overlay my drawing onto the photograph and I would check myself where my proportions are off. I wasn't relying on anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I could constantly do this over and over again at home and improve my proportions without a teacher. Mm -hmm. So that was improving, wow, increasing my feedback loop speed and uh, quantity with that. Yeah, so that's becoming your most efficient critic. That yes. you can just you can do this quickly. You can you've yep. got a feedback loop within you. You got a feedback loop with this apparatus. Yeah. So should I remove the word best from maybe that? become your become your own critic? Become your own critic. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Become your own critic. And that opens oh. up the whole thing of how you can be too much of a cheerleader for yourself, and you can also be too hard on yourself, like Raphael was. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you have anything to add to that? We, I know we ran out of the minute, but... No, that's, that's, that's good. That. Become your own critic. A lot of people are dependent on teachers. Yeah. And a good teacher's job is the same job of a parent to make it so that this person doesn't need me anymore. Yeah. Number four, get information from multiple sources. This is one I'm thinking of cutting because I don't have too much info, but what I, what I have on here is one of the most useful ways to learn is from multiple sources. Mm-hmm. It allows you to level up faster by seeing where the information from each source overlaps yeah. and laser focus your attention there on those areas of overlap. Um, 
And it's also a good way that you don't end up being a copycat of like one artist. Indeed. Um, multiple you, sources, multiple teachers too. You seem to be really into that one when I was reading the list. What, what, what uh, yes. Uh, one of the problems though with multiple sources is they can be confusing. Mm. You'll have some people say, don't do this. And another person says, that's the key to everything. That happens all the time. Contradictory advice. So it can be confusing. And that's where mentorship comes in because a mentor is a person who looks at you and being your own critic, saying being your own mentor, looking at you say, what do I need to reach my goal? And then be able to discern what is going to help and what isn't. But multiple sources helps balance you out and it keeps you from becoming too uh, tunnel visioned into one particular style or one particular skill at the expense of others. That's a minute. Okay, cool. Awesome. Made it. Yeah. Number five, train like an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Anders Ericsson came up with the whole 10,000 hour rule that mm -hmm. everyone always mentions. Yep. And I think that one of the biggest things that they miss is 10,000 deliberate hours yes. of practice. Because uh, you can have 10,000 really crappy hours of practice and get nowhere. So, bite-sized sessions of practice. So, for example, you're learning to play basketball. You're not just going to play a bunch of games of basketball. Mm -hmm. You do, but you have to learn how to shoot a free throw. And so you'll just, you'll go and you'll have a, a long session of free throws, three pointers, um, sessions of just controlling the ball, juggling, <laughs> dribbling really well. Um, whatever, you know, all those micro, micro skills that need to be done, going to the gym, just getting strong, getting, mm -hmm. doing sprints to get faster. Um, That's a minute. All <laughs> God, I'm trying to talk fast and this, this is impossible. I know it's hard. But like, let's say that in order to, to get good at basketball, someone really does just play a bunch of basketball. They're not going to have the ball most of the time. Most of the time that they're going to play that hour session, they're just running back and forth. Mm -hmm. And they're not actually using that hour as efficiently as possible. They're just learn. They're just running back and forth, and then sometimes they'll get the ball and they'll shoot. Maybe what, like 20, 30 times? They'll shoot in an hour. This is a great but, example of a topic that needs a whole. Okay. Yeah. Right. So anyway, when you draw, when you learn to draw, train like that. Divide it up into specific skills that you want to get better at and focus on them. That's okay. I was started to put together material for a lecture called lessons for artists from the military. The military is something I never was inclined toward uh, and never really that interested in. But military training has a few things that a lot of artistic training is missing, uh, mainly rigor, mainly the seriousness, the training like an athlete. Take this really seriously. It also has some things that I think that are not uh, good for uh, art students. Like uh, what? Uh, deprivation and making it harder uh, seeing how much, uh, putting you to the test to, to try to break you essentially and mm. see, all right, back up from there. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I wouldn't recommend right. in training. But that's the kind of thing that's necessary when it's life or death stakes is to see how far, how hard you can push something. Uh, but it may be that there are some people, I mean, Kim Jong-Kee was in the military and there I've had students who were who came out of the military that their work ethic was remarkable. There was absolutely no slacking. That's one of the other habits on here is discipline that you can get out okay. of something like that. Okay, let's keep going then. Uh, well, one thing before we move on is that 
I do think it's still important to play a full game of basketball <laughs> on a regular it's basis. Not just practice. Yeah, don't just break it up into. Yeah. You have to combine the skills as well. Yeah, regularly. So okay, they're both important. Anyway, um, number six: break big things into smaller things. Isn't that what I just said? <laughs> yeah, and it's also the thing that as you were giving a list of 23 things, I was thinking, okay, how can we consolidate? This is literally what I just, well, kind of. It's not skills. It's like you break things up. Like if you say, I want to get good at anatomy, mm -hmm. then you have to make that really overwhelming task into a less overwhelming task. Like I, I want to get good at arms or just hands. And just focus on that for a while, because that is a lot easier than saying, I want to get good at anatomy. It's like, where do I even begin? I like to begin with, I want to get good at a stick figure skeleton. And even just make them sticks that aren't even thick sticks, just lines. And that's a great way to get a holistic view of the body, but it's also simple enough to where you've broken it down and I've got the stick figures. Now I'll turn them into pipes. Now I'll turn them into boxes. Now I'll put clumps of muscles on them. So it's breaking something as complex as anatomy into something that makes some sense. Once you can animate a stick figure, invent a stick figure, you're you're on your way. How long do they spend on the stick figure? Well, it depends. But we're supposed to keep, how long are we supposed <laughs> to spend on each one of these? One, one minute. minute. Uh, yeah. oh, Questions no. just open it up. About, there we go. That's a minute. Oh, really? Yep. Hey, that one was perfect. Hey! Uh, number seven, protect your most creative time. I think we've Ooh. talked about this. Yeah. It's like if you're really productive at night, do that. Make sure you're, you, you got that time. If you're really productive in the morning, don't have things scheduled during that time. Yeah. You know, keep it or, or just don't fill up that time with other things. Mm -hmm. Keep that as your creative time when you are doing your most important things. Don't do emails during your most important time yeah. or most creative time. That's a big one. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. Yeah, okay. Dang, we just we just blasted through that one. 30 Number, seconds. 30 seconds, wow. Record time. Number eight, go beyond the minimum requirements. Mm. Oh, yeah, so it's like if you're in school and your teacher assigns you something, don't just do the minimum just because it's an assignment. Like, it, it, go beyond it. Do, do, do more just because you want to or because you're curious about another aspect of it or apply that lesson to an, your own project. Don't just do the bare minimum because someone's making you do it. Yeah. That's the point. It's the subversive energy of under-promising and over-delivering. There's something that's actually fun about it to say, I want to see how well I can do it. My favorite example, even though it's, it's pretty extreme, is, is Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein illustrations. He did, I don't know how many there were, maybe 40, but he did a number of them that he took to finish and said, this is not good enough. This, it's, it was, they were actually Did excellent. they make it into the book? Uh, no, they're in another book called A Look Back. Oh, but I, I have them and we, and we you can, have show, I mean, I have, yeah, I have, I have images it? of them. Uh, no, but oh. we can, we can show them. Oh, okay, cool. And okay. some of them. <laughs> Shut up, Charlie. Good. <laughs> some of them would have been good enough, but he was using cross hatching, uh -huh. decided he didn't want to use cross hatching, switched over to the Franklin Booth technique, had a nicer technique, did some beautiful, lovely pieces like that, but then decided they oh, still wow. aren't as good as I can do. So he went way beyond the minimum requirement. Yeah. Did they get better? Yes, they did get better. Wow. Okay, cool. 
So there's an example of someone who had an inner critic that was enough to say, why just do it okay? Why not do it my best? Well, that could get, that could just keep going forever though, right? It could, and it can turn into obsession compulsion and it can burn you out. Yeah. That's a whole other story. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Number nine is think like a kid. This is one that you were confused about? I wasn't confused about it. You were curious. It's just that it's it's a big general topic. Think like a kid. All I'll think about is candy and gum. (laughs) God damn! Do you hear that noise? Oh, the trash. I like. Okay, well, let me read this to you. They represent relief from too much garbage. I'm okay with leaving it in. Well, I'm gonna read it to you anyways. Okay. Quick, think fast. Oh, oh, this is to you. Okay, think quick, fast. When asked, what can you do with a paperclip? How many alternate uses could you come up with? My first inclination is violence toward a brother. I'm oh, sorry that it's that way. That's great. <laughs> how many no. How many total can you come up with? In, in, how, in a limited ten amount seconds, of time? Go. In 10 seconds, it can be used as a weapon to pinprick yeah, my brother it. when he's giving me grief. It can be uh, turned into a bow. It can be tied into a bow, but you have to be really... Uh, good with your fine motor skills to do this. It can be used to uh, short circuit the electricity in the house so that the grown-ups yeah. will have some you trouble. You don't have to give a reason. Give just, just, just give me the <laughs> Not uses. Like MacGyver. Just What's give me the uses. Don't come up with the reasons. Oh, okay. Uh, it can be, uh, it can be uh, scrubbed around on the concrete until you turn it into just uh, silver dust. <laughs> You go now. <laughs> There's literally like an infinite amount. The point yeah. of that one was that most people just come up with like 10 to 15. Mm-hmm. And I, the 10 seconds was just for you. The, this There wasn't supposed to be a time limit. Okay. But most people just be like, I don't know what else it could be used for. It's like, it could be anything. It could be used to, to put in my pocket. It could be used to, to tie my hair or to like to... to connect these two cups together <laughs> it, it could be used as decoration around my my finger it could be used to make my nose bleed to to make myself blind like you can just keep going forever yeah. you can be used to throw across the room yeah <laughs> um the point is that when you when you get that habit of just like uh thinking outside the box of what something could be used for um and just thinking in a weird way it can make your art better yeah it could you can come up with solutions that you wouldn't have thought of if you were just trying to like be logical about okay what's the best thing a paperclip could be used yeah you you set aside assumptions yeah is that how uh clippy was born clippy the uh, The microsoft uh, paperclip that seems like it's thinking inside the box though (laughs) um so it gets you solutions that might surprisingly be kind of cool that's a basic creative exercise although yeah. they probably wouldn't be called a, a think like a kid but I and there'd be different titles for how to designate it but going into the hardware store to look for art supplies it's a great idea uh, fishing tackle you get cheaper things that will instead of spending $85 for an art bin you'll spend $15 for a, a little fishing tackle thing that fits better but using going outside of what the expected norms are exercises yeah. like that. I think that's really good for concept designers, character designers, anyone that's designing anything new that's supposed to not just be what everyone's already seen. To see things freshly, yeah. see things analogically. Mm-hmm. But you were saying that it shouldn't be like think like a kid. Why? I like think like a kid, but 
kids think all sorts of different ways. So we need to the, the see things freshly as one thing. Well, April in here wrote that researchers say that 98% of five-year-olds are qualified as highly creative, mm -hmm. whereas only 12% of 15-year-olds mm -hmm. are qualified right. as Well, there's, a, there's another thing, and that is the social fear that happens right. when you've been tested. Of being weird, of yeah. coming up with new ideas. People yeah. have made fun of you. Whereas when you're five years old, you probably, if you've been in a relatively sheltered environment before you've gone out and been socialized, you're going to dare to say things that other people are going to make fun of later, but you've been safe doing that. That's what I observe about it, is that you're, you're okay. In fact, just when you said things you can do with a, a paperclip, 10 seconds, there's immediate this pressure, this fear, yeah. what if I say something stupid? And that's the thing that chokes it off. If you said something stupid, I'd be more impressed. That's what yeah. I was looking for. That's right. But did you notice the dynamic that when you said it, it, it it's, it's uh, you could, you, you could, yeah. it's because there's all of this, don't let that out, that might be yeah, a stupid thing. That one's thing. stupid, don't say so that one. What's that other one? It helps to do this in private. And it helps to do this, or it helps to do this with someone you are completely at ease with. I have been the most creative in my life when with a friend on a road trip. Are you not at ease with me? Yeah, I, I, I but not when the camera is on me like and you're saying, what are HD the 10? Cameras, I, 4K cameras. <laughs> when I did it with you, when I said, Giant let's have you do it, you did the same thing. It's, it's, uh, and there's this tension that comes in. <laughs> Shut up, Marshall. I'm creative. When you're not facing someone directly, when you're side by side, uh, somebody said that that makes a difference, that you're not looking at each other where there could be critical feedback. You're both yeah. facing the same world. And then you just start improvising. It's amazing how effortlessly and funny and enjoyable it can be yeah. because all fear is stripped away. We're both fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Charlie, are we at a minute yet? <laughs> we're, we're at six, we're like at about six, six minutes. minutes. <laughs> Snaps. Okay. Number 10 is research, research, research. Research. Let's think like a grown-up. I think. Well, no, actually it isn't because if you watch kids, when they get interested in something, they research, research, re they will get every resource they can find on it and pour themselves into it. So that's why thinking like a kid is such a broad category. But research, 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 by the time you get to responsible research, you are doing grown-up tasks. Yes. Okay, so this one is, I don't know if it's a habit. It's kind of, it's more of just like a step in a project. Yeah. I don't know if this would be a habit. We might re remove this one, but it is, it is important. It, like, for example, Disney will send out animators or designers, anyone uh, writing the story, mm -hmm. let's say for Moana, they sent their team to all of these islands mm -hmm. um, to learn about the culture. Mm -hmm. And it became much more authentic. Yes. Um, a student of mine who was a very good student and went on to, he's had a lot of success over a decade in the game industry, uh, when he got his first job, and I talked to him a few months after he got that job, and I said, tell me what you're observing. And he said, well, there's one thing that I was not taught in school that is like one of the most important things. What's that? Research. Most of this job is research. That's what we spend a big chunk of everything is just finding out what this is going to look like, what, what that looks like, what's yeah. the real use of those things. And so they are spending tons of time doing that. Yeah. Okay. I do a lot of research for every single one of my lessons. Yeah. It, that's like one of the biggest parts. I think we spend more time on research than writing and production. Yeah. 
So how it applies to habits of success, research, research, research. It's not even something it's that not, I don't you, think it's a habit. But. Yeah. It, and it's also not even something you have to recommend to people who are interested in it. They just think about uh, the, the child who does not do well in school, but they just don't do well in school. They do great when it comes to researching their favorite topic. Yeah. But some people don't do research and you need to tell them like, hey, do a little bit more research on this and, yeah. and, and improve on it. You know, like, I don't know, you, you've taught like character design or concept mm-hmm. design c- classes. Mm-hmm. Were there any students that are designing some kind of character, but they know nothing about what this character would be like? Yeah. And you tell them, hey, none of this is authentic. Yeah. Go figure out w- why things would look the way they are first. Do you, does that ever happen? Uh, yes. That happens all the time with clothes. A lot of artists don't pay attention to clothes. Yeah. Uh, Howard Pyle researched he would not allow a button on a a Revolutionary War coat if it was the kind of button you would use on a Civil War coat. He cared about that. Uh, NCY less so, I'm told, that it was more it's fantasy. You know, I I can break some of the rules. It just has to look cool. Mm -hmm. But where do we go with this? That's it. We're out of time. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, are we only at number 11? Can you believe it? We're gonna, a lot of this will get trimmed. Uh, I'm already tired. <laughs> Better anyway. I need some coffee. You'll get your drug. <laughs> All right. Number 11 is patience. <laughs> oh, my God. That's Patience, funny. which we're exercising here. You got one minute. You got one minute. Come on. Uh, come on. Get going. That's, that's so funny how that ended up. So patience is one that a number of the frustrated people who've sent voicemails and asked questions about how can I help myself that's been a major theme is that you can't expect it to happen quickly yeah i think most people expect it to happen much faster than it will happen Mm -hmm. um and the frustration we talked about this last or several episodes ago is that the frustration really hurts your progress Mm -hmm. um if if you're patient you learn to enjoy the process and it doesn't matter if you ever really get there because you're you're having fun the whole time Mm -hmm. i've always sensed this about you I've always sensed that when you are on a project that you might not have yield from it for a year, two, three, or more, and that it Five. doesn't, yeah, it, it, it doesn't bother you, though, <laughs> or does it? A little bit, but not much. But you seem aware that if we keep moving, Abraham Lincoln, I think, said, I walk slowly, but I don't walk backward, huh. that you're at least making progress, and that over time, it accumulates, and if you had just stopped, it wouldn't happen. So, yeah. but yes, I've always sensed that about that. You've got a long-term view in mind. Sometimes I feel like you just come up with a random quote and then assign like some famous <laughs> celebrity. To no, it. I, I read, well, I, I, that's, I didn't do my research to Are look that sure up Lincoln on the internet and make sure that it was Abraham Lincoln who said <laughs> it. And that's the danger of saying this on the podcast is that we're going to have a number of people saying Abraham Lincoln did not say that quote. We should just start crediting random people for random quotes though that i'll let you do fun. that okay okay <laughs> wait <laughs> okay are we done with that one yeah that one's pretty obvious um number 12 draw things you enjoy that's a that i think that's an obvious one too if you're so focused on all of this like strict discipline uh constantly have to improve like it, you lose the fun out of it. The reason most people start drawing is that they they liked it in the first place, mm-hmm. and a lot of this stuff could really take the soul out of out of it all. So okay. you have to every once in a while go back and just have some fun. 
Ray Bradbury talked about chasing loves. It's, that's what he did. He chased loves when he was a kid. It got made fun of. He ended up burning his comic book collection, I think, because he was embarrassed by it and then decided that will never happen again. And uh, that's kind of what he preached. Is Wait, he burned his comic collection? Comic, his, friends, his friends made uh, fun of the kind of uh, oh. comic books that he liked. So he, to, in order to ingratiate himself socially, he, he, threw, he, he got rid of it all and then decided it was a mistake and that it doesn't make any difference what the people around me think. I am going to pursue this. And then he became Ray Bradbury. Uh, remix your inspiration. Mm. Um, it's the art parents thing. It's the art parents thing ones. and the elements of style too. Because in order to remix, there comes a point where you have to decide which parts line, which parts tone, which parts color, which parts texture, what kind of shapes. Share what you learn. Teaching, to me, was the thing that made me improve the most. Because when you have to teach, you have that pressure to really organize that information in a way that makes sense, not just to you, but to everyone else. And that is a higher standard of organizing the information. Mm -hmm. And also filling in the gaps that you didn't even know you had. It's like when you try to explain something, you realize that you don't fully understand it. And so then you have to go back and do some research and figure out what it is that makes this true or... You yes. know, sometimes a student will ask you questions that you don't know the answer to. And you have to go and learn that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, teaching. Yeah, I learned anatomy by teaching. I learned perspective by teaching. I learned a lot about drawing by teaching. Yeah. Uh, and I tried learning perspective over and over and I could not figure it out from books. It was just my brain didn't go there. But then when I committed that in the fall, I'm going to teach a class in perspective back in the 80s. I had one s summer to get ready for it, and I recognize there's stakes now. I have to know this. Yeah. So that helps. And Robert Beverly Hale said, a little teaching can help you to learn an uh, anatomy, but only a little. And that brings the other thing is that eventually you become better at explaining it than mm. doing it. Right. You still have to draw. Yeah. Right. Yeah, everyone thinks that I, I'm doing this to help other students, and it's like, no, I'm, it's purely selfish. I'm I teaching think, so that I can get better. I think the selfish <laughs> motive for a teacher, if the motive is selfish, I'm going to teach this because I love the subject, but the goal is to help the students understand it the best they can, that that's a good combination of this is, the motive is, is selfish, the goal is altruistic. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Oh, well, then I shouldn't have said what I said. No, take it back, Marshall. Number 15. Spend time with other artists. This is the whole group thing. It's we we talked about this a little bit at our Comic Con panel. Uh huh. You know, being part of a community, they you know you guys keep each other up. It makes things that are not fun more fun. It's easier to practice when you're practicing with a group of people, right? Because even if you have uh, what you consider a bad drawing at the end of your practice session. At least you still had fun with these peers, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot easier to go back and do it again tomorrow or whatever mm -hmm. if if you know you're going to have fun either way. Mm -hmm. In the talent code, didn't he uh, focus on that? That you've got the Italian Renaissance is actually happening in Florence, all within a few blocks of itself because of community, so. and then you've got uh, areas where soccer teams and uh, hit songwriters. He talked about how you get environments where a person who might not be considered talented when they go into that environment become talented mm. because of the environment and certainly there is an uh, a disproportionate ratio of 
people who became great comic book artists in the 20th century who came out of New York and even more specifically out of the LaGuardia High School where so many of those Mad Magazine artists went and they were learning, they were in a community where everybody was sort of caught this fever. Yeah. Makes a big difference. I see it as a huge thing. I started doing an impression. What? <laughs> and I gave up immediately. Go ahead, let's give, <laughs> no. give it another shot. You can always edit it out. I have to hear it before I can actually do it. Uh, uh, you know, an impression of what? The only cure is more cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> I don't even know that? it. I've got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell. There you go. That was way better. Was All right, I let's don't move even on. know the illusion. <laughs> Christopher Walken, Saturday yeah. Night Live. Oh. Oh, jeez. Okay. Say no. No. Say no. No, you said it? Okay. Um, <laughs> stupid. Okay, the, so you say no to things. I know that there was a period in my life when I had to start saying no because too many opportunities were starting to come up mm -hmm. too many people were asking for things and um i started just coming up with my a lot too many of my own new projects mm -hmm. and it was just way too much to handle and i had to just start dropping things yeah and i eventually i just started saying no to commissions I was like i can't do these commissions because it's taking time away from proco yeah it's like i need to make these lessons sorry i can't paint this your i can't paint your grandson you know yeah. Even though it was extra money, I had to say no to a lot of different things. And I think that's important. You have to figure out what your goals are and everything that comes your way, every idea that you have, you have to bring it back and analyze it with your ultimate goals. Because it's really easy to just start going sideways. I don't do that well. I say yes way too much. <laughs> yes. so, so, uh, Seth Godin said that what you say no to is almost as important as what you say yes to. Yeah. And, uh, because if you say yes to something that is going to take you away from something, some, from some other yes, yeah. then you're saying no to that other yes by saying yes to that other yes. It's a default oh, no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. What's the next one? Say no. Wait. No, say yes. <laughs> I said yes. I said yes to this podcast. You did. Yeah. That was a but, resounding yes. Yeah. You said yes to it too. So we did that. This one is for, this is a different reason though. A lot of people say no to things just because they think they're not ready. They're scared. Mm -hmm. That's the reason you say yes to things. Not just because like, yeah, take on every, every opportunity. It's like, no, if you're scared of something and you think it's going to be a big challenge, say yes. It'll help you get better. That's why I said yes to this. That's a portion of why I said yes to this podcast okay is that if i had said no it would have been i just don't want to be in front of a camera uh -huh. i don't want to be put on the spot and have a conversation that goes out to the world yeah. and i thought fear would have it was prevented fear it was fear great thing from happening yeah yeah oh this one's yours For make ugly try <laughs> <laughs> take it away yeah, Marshall. that one's mine i'm just kidding um well should know, i tell my story I'm just kidding. You don't make ugly drawings. I do. Oh, you don't think I make ugly drawings? Well, no, well, everyone makes ugly drawings, yeah, yeah. but it's not like all your drawings are ugly. That's, that's the joke. I had such terrible handwriting in school that there were meetings with teachers about Marshall's handwriting. <laughs> and when I went to college and decided I'm going to be an illustrator, I, I switched from handwriting to printing because I could control printing. And because my drawing was so sloppy, 
I started doing really tight technical stuff and made my living doing that. And part of the midlife crisis was that that's all you can do is the careful and controlled and planned stuff. So I started a sketchbook, uh -huh. 1997, and filled it with thousands of messy drawings and then reached another level and then started to realize I still got problems and I've been going through the last 10 years or so has been another, just mm -hmm. do one after another after another and lose control over them. Nine out of 10, maybe 99 out of 100 will fail. But those few that do come together are things that would never have happened if you had tried to do it, do it slow motion. You're letting the randomness take over. And that's the main thing I'm interested in right now. So you were intentionally making them sloppy? I, I, I was, yes, I was, which is not necessarily a good idea. Yeah, but, I was going to say that's yeah, a bad idea. That's what I found out. <laughs> okay. but, but my thinking was that because I was so afraid of ugly, that free to do ugly was as free as I could get, but it got me into the habit of tolerating ugly. So my next alternative was just saying that they've got to be done fast. Do you know about the eight-minute draw? It was popularized in the cartooning book by, uh, I want to say, uh, it's an Italian name. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm missing it. Luigi. Uh, Is that Italian? Caraccia. Do you, do you, do you uh, <laughs> yes. it's a cartooning book, and the eight-minute draw is an exercise within this book on cartooning. Okay. I would like to say the guy's name. Anyway, I, I can say it later. It's Ivan Brunetti or Yvonne Brunetti. You draw something for four minutes, then you take a breath. You draw it for two minutes. <laughs> Wait, you hold your breath the whole time? Yeah, you, well, you, you've been in a state. I've got a four-minute timer on me. Okay, you take a break. You take a breath. You, take, <laughs> you draw it for two minutes. You take another breath. You draw it for one minute. Then you draw it for 30 seconds. Then you do it for, I so think... So you're starting a new drawing every time? No, it's the same thing. But it's a different draw. You're starting over. Yeah. You're not continuing on. That's the right. Okay. You're starting over. I can show examples. Okay. The final one that you do is five seconds. And when you are trying to draw an airplane or two people wrestling and you've got five seconds to do it, you've got to make lines that quickly. And it's interesting how gestural those lines become. It's a great exercise. That sounds fun. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't sound like you're intentionally being messy. No, you're intentionally being fast yeah. and it brings out the part of you that is focused on, I've got to get this done, yeah. which gets past self-consciousness, which means that you can, sometimes those 30-second drawings end up being the best drawings. Yeah. Seldom do the four, in my experience, seldom do the four-minute ones end up being the best. I really like that. That's a really cool exercise. Yeah. Okay, well, that had to do with, let's trace back what was the issue well, here. Well, my whole point about saying make ugly drawings wasn't to intentionally do bad drawings. It's to not be afraid of the failure of a bad drawing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of students get debilitated by the fear of the failure of a bad drawing. They get demotivated. They quit. Yeah. Um, they get frustrated. Yeah. It's like, oh, you did a bad drawing? Okay, that was expected. Yeah. You just started. It, it's like in training. If making you gotta, those bad drawings. You got to hit, get hit by a taser a few times until you know what it's like and you say, I can, I can handle it. <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. Okay. Make ugly drawings. Something you don't need to preach at me anymore. <sighs> okay. Uh, 19 exercise keep your body in shape physically exercise. if you lose if you injure your shoulder or if you get carpal tunnel or if your back starts to hurt because you're you know you're weak you got a weak core like you're not gonna it's not gonna be good in the long term to draw more and exercise less 
That's my point. I remember your reading. Your brain a, is healthier if you're exercising. I read a creativity book years ago that I can't remember who wrote it, but the first thing this author did was, I think it was the first chapter, is to physically exercise. That's going to help me be creative. The claim was that it will help you do better at everything. There's going to be, your brain's going to work better yeah. if your body's in shape. So I thought, okay, I'll accept it and then go on and see what else this, this guy's got. But there is a lot to be said for it. Yeah. As you can tell, I've been exercising a lot. Yeah, you CrossFit. <laughs> CrossFit. That was a long time ago. I remember. I was really impressed that you, it was six years ago that you started CrossFitting, didn't you? <laughs> I, I like the way you phrased that. It was six years ago when you started CrossFit, as if I'm still doing it. <laughs> Why did you stop? I got injured. <laughs> but not oh, because that, of CrossFit. That... It wasn't oh, okay. because of CrossFit. It was, it's so funny the way it happened. It's like, I was in class and literally in between exercises, I bent down uh -huh. to pick up like, I don't know, my shoe or so. I don't know what it was. Uh -huh. um, and my back just gave out. Something really? happened. I think I was really tight. Wow. I think I skipped like the stretching class yeah. that week. And I, I, there were some really intense heavy weights classes and, uh, my back was just super tight and it, it something happened. I think I like pulled a okay. ligament or something and I couldn't get up. I fell to the ground. My back was like almost paralyzed for like five minutes. I'm sorry to hear it. <laughs> yeah. You seem like you're smiling and so everything's okay. Oh, so we can laugh about it. I'm fine. <laughs> Here's another thing about exercise. Yeah. If you're studying anatomy, exercise is particularly good because you will be sore in the muscle that you're studying. Yeah, I heard that. Does that, does that really that. matter? I think it's a great idea. Yeah, but do those really connect? Sure. They, when I went through Goldfinger's book, it took six months to go through it, but I found every origin and insertion point of mm -hmm. every muscle on the skeleton that I own and on myself. Yeah. Except for the palmaris longus on the right hand. <laughs> you're like, where gone. is yeah, this? Yeah, don't have Are you it. missing it in both hands? or both No, just in, just in the right hand. Oh, just in the right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, uh, and also when, when I exercise now, when I am sore, I'm more aware specifically what muscle that is and which portion of it is. So yeah, it, it broadens knowledge, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. Number 20. I was going to say 20 something. It's 20. Draw daily. That's an obvious one. Do we even continue? No. Okay. Draw daily. Make it a habit. You'll draw more. Mm -hmm. 21. Finish what you start. I know a lot of artists that constantly start new projects mm -hmm. and they don't finish it because they get bored or, you know, about halfway through an illustration or really any project is when it gets hard. Yes. That's when the problems start to happen. Yes. Your original idea, you're excited, you got that energy and then you start doing it and that energy slowly starts to go away and you start actually having to put the work in and solve problems and it gets less fun yeah and you have to develop the habit of pushing through that to a finish because if you constantly start new things you'll never really do anything great there is one problem with it what? sometimes people come up with ideas i had this problem for years i come up with an idea that's great i get excited i start the piece but it's going to be an 80 hour or 100 hour piece and so to keep pushing through and keep pushing through can wear you out and one of my colleagues told me, you do spend these 80 to 100 hour pieces. He said, I have never in my entire career done a piece that's taken more than eight hours. 
and most of them take about an hour too. They were little pen and ink and watercolor things that he was well trained to do. And so that started to lead me to where I have to have a different style. I cannot have one of these styles that is every piece is going to take this much time if I'm not getting paid for them. These were the the ones that I was doing for the joy of what you want to do. That's when you have to have goals in mind. If you're on the East Coast and you're doing those, you know, 100 hour drawings and that is what you want to do, then Mm -hmm. that's fine that you're spending so much time on it. But if it's not, then yeah, why why'd you even start? Mm -hmm. And usually that's the hot point of where the trouble is. Why start on this if you're going to get bored with it? So to have some criteria that says this is a great idea or it's not a great idea, or this is an idea that I think I'm going to get bored with, this one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shelve. And that way you're still in, you're generating a lot of ideas, but not yet making a commitment to any Sure, yeah, generating ideas is good. Also, I think it's good to uh, give up on some ideas mm-hmm. halfway through if you realize, okay, yeah, actually, no, I don't want to keep going with this. But if it's a habit to never finish a project, that's t- a totally different thing. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, it's, you, you're holding yourself accountable to carry some things through, even through the awkward stages. Yeah. Just because there's a problem doesn't mean that it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Most great things, difficult things, have problems that have to be solved before you finish it. Yeah. Anything else? No. Okay. 22. Discipline. It's kind of the same thing yeah. as carry things through. Actually, it is. Go ahead. How, what's, what's the difference? Um, for this one, I was just going to tell a little story. Um, I don't know if I should mention a name. Probably shouldn't. Well, anyway, someone, I was talking to someone and he met, um, he's a mentor to a lot of students. Well, not a lot, but you know, several. Um, he does it for free. Mm-hmm. He takes people into his home where he built a studio mm-hmm. and he allows them to live there for mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. So he pays for their room. He pays for their food, he provides them with art supplies, and he gives them free lessons. Mm -hmm. This is like a dream come true for most artists. And uh, there was a girl that was going through his his thing, and then after like six months, she was like, I'm just going to quit. I'm too lazy. (laughs) Mm. Finding out how hard it was? Yeah, she just, she, well, I guess it was too hard for her. I don't think he, his program is necessarily like really rigorous. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like a super strict dude to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just realized like, I'm just a lazy person and I would rather just work at, you know, some some minimum wage job instead. Mm-hmm. So this is an example of a person who does not have discipline. Right. This is an extreme example. I just wanted to tell that story, but yeah. In the research that... Mihaly Mahai, if I'm pronouncing what? his current name correctly, do you know who he is? No. He put together a 400-page book on creativity that came out, I think, back in the 90s. I, I spent months in that book. It was, uh, it was researched. It was not very practical, but it had some very good things in it. One of the, had some surprises in it. One was that they found out how many people who are domain changers, people who are extremely creative, are lacking discipline in some area in, in certain areas and this is that say no say yes mm. that in order to succeed at this thing i will say no to organizing my checkbook or all of these other things or let somebody else take care of them so that i can focus entirely on that so discipline is selective mm-hmm. 
I don't know that a person would want to be disciplined about everything. It seems like it would be, there'd be just even disciplined. There's a balance. Yeah. Okay. Be disciplined. That's number 22. Gosh, we're so close to the edge. The anticipation. Oh, 23 is is mastering your calendar. And we had a full episode on that already. So go back to that. Okay. Unless you have something to add. When I have mastered my calendar, I have been my most productive. Mm -hmm. When I have not, I have been my least productive. So there's the. Yeah, having an hell difference. That's the whole yeah. point. It basically, my thing is like have a weekly analysis of your previous week, mm-hmm. and then have a plan for your the week to come. Mm-hmm. Start with that every week. Decide a time and do that, because then you'll be a lot more deliberate with the time. It's not about working all the time. It's about spending your time deliberately. It's choosing what you d- what you spend your time doing. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Do you do it alone? What? When you look at your calendar and assess it? Um, there's a personal one that I do. Mm-hmm. And, but then, no, we have a, a scrum method that we do at Proco here where the whole team, every Monday, well, not every Monday, we do a two-week thing. I'm interested in that. Have we talked about that? No. No? Oh. Okay. Well, well I actually was going to bring up scrum as one of my things. Shall we do a voicemail? Yeah, voicemails. Do we have a theme song for voicemails yet? No, we don't. We I think, Marshall, do we need so, you to jingle something up for us. Somebody had a great title for the voicemails. What was it? You, it was, uh, it was uh, I think it was M-A-L-E-S or something like that. Mails? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, but, uh, but Mail I, time? I, yeah, it was, it was something <laughs> like that, but it was even it, cleverer uh, than that. Drassman, Drassmail, Drassmail. <laughs> like j- going through the different spellings. Draftsman, draftsman. Whatever it was, it was funny. That's, that is clever. Yeah. It'd be a good animation, but not necessarily for audio. (laughs) What would that? Yeah. 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 But I like that. That's the best one I've heard so far. Draftsmail still has a nice ring to it, even if it, the, the whole preamble doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) Let's hear one of those voicemails. Hi, I'm Autumn. I'm 16 and I want to be a tattoo artist. Um, when I'm older. One thing I need to work on is composition and with like such a complex and difficult canvas such as like the skin um, and that can be all shapes and sizes depending on where the tattoo would be. I need to learn how to like create a good composition that'll work from like multiple angles. So I was wondering if you had any like advice or tips or exercises that I could work on to create a clear composition that would work from multiple angles and like be dynamic and not too busy thank you this is one i could go on for really? a while i yeah. don't have much go ahead you're you're the composition man well also but what happened with my style is that i found out tattoo artists and i had a lot in common even though i've never been a tattoo artist the stuff in my sketchbook tattoo artists really connected with and i recognized i've got a tattoo aesthetic it's a lowbrow aesthetic, uh, like with graffiti. Albrecht Dürer's work okay. has got that kind of aesthetic. And a lot of it came out of the, uh, the technical limitations that you're mentioning there, that you've got lines that have to be graphically strong to hold this together. Subtlety is harder. Uh, like with uh, Albrecht Durer's woodblocks, that you've got to have a really strong cut-in line there. And so you get an aesthetic that is vulgar mm. it's not subtle even though i know i know that 
don't take this wrong. I know that there are many tattoo artists who do remarkably subtle work, but the medium itself historically has lent itself to not being subtle, to making it so you've got, you know, skulls and things breaking through them that that are uh, graphically strong. Uh, but the question about composition and how to make it look right uh, or how I can't remember how you phrased it. You um, look at the history. Multiple angles. Multiple because, angles. Because it's oh, the yeah. Of the, You've the got a curved body. canvas. Yeah. I can't give you anything specific on that. I can tell you this. The first thing you would do is something we're going to devote a session to, one of these podcasts to, is to know the history of your craft, to look at how tattooing evolved, to look at why it looks the way it does. And to get one of these collections, you, Tashin has a collection of uh, tattoos throughout history, I think, that is fascinating to look at because you're going to see almost every problem that you're going to run into, people have run into in past centuries. And so here's how they've solved it. So that's the first thing. It gives you an overview of the craft you're pursuing, and that way you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The second thing is to choose touchstones from outside this world of tattooing. In fact, the, most, the, the things that are the most different that you can imagine, and that way you bring in new blood to it. It's the thing about mixing, uh, parents. mixing yeah, uh, uh, the parents. I mean, what's the most extreme opposite of, of tattoos? I think of Monet, I think of Renoir, I think of some of the French Impressionists maybe, uh, but they might not be the ingredients you wanna mix. Then I think of, of those precious moments calendars. And I think those are about as extreme as you could get. If you find something that is so different from it and you look at it and you say, yeah, but there is this thing about it. These soft colors with these hard lines might make an interesting combination. But get all of your touchstones around. Mooka, Mooka would be uh, one of the first Ooh. ones that I would go to. Because Mooka's line is uh, very much like an elegant tattoo style. And that way you are studying styles, but you're not just studying styles of how you put the medium down. You're studying styles that have to do with design choices, whether to flatten things out, whether to thicken them up, when you've got curls of hair to turn them into graphic design stuff. That's all composition. Those are compositional choices. So that is, as briefly as I can do it, learn the history of your craft and why they things look the way they did. And then look at something completely unrelated that interests you and see if you can make some breeding happen out of that. Regarding skin as canvas, you could get creative by designing around hair tracts or around muscle fibers with or against the striations. Cool. What do we do next? What's your thing? Oh, are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. Okay, I'm figuring well, I think we're, I we're deep enough into the relationship. Scrum. My, my thing is scrum. What is scrum? <laughs> is it a food? We've been using it for like four years now. Scrum, scrum is a guy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Scrum. Scrum. Oh my God. Robert Crumb's older brother, Can Stephen. Can you sing it? Pardon? Can you sing the Destiny's Child? Is that, is that I, who Scrub is a guy? Help me out here. There's a song called. Oh, you didn't know my reference? No. <laughs> oh, man. 
Scrubs the guy that ain't got TLC. no love. Oh, TLC. God damn it. Cut that shit up. Do not put in that, that I said Dustin's child. <laughs> People are going to hate on me so much. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. You have the power of editing. <laughs> That's true. What is Scrum? Charlie has yeah. the power of editing. That's right. Yes. <laughs> to make me look really stupid. He's going to make the timing so that it makes me look as stupid as possible. Really drag it out. Yeah. Make it excruciating. Dustin's child. Anyway, <laughs> Scrum is not a guy that ain't getting no love. Scrum is a method of working for teams, hmm. of collaborating. Okay. Um, it consists of meetings where everyone updates each other on what's happening. Um, you go through these sprints, which is um, like a one week or a two week duration of time when you prepare a list of tasks that you're going to do and you assign a point value to each one so that you know how much you're doing. I Shut up, Charlie. It's really difficult to explain this. It's so complicated. So you... Does Scrum stand for something? Is it S-C-R-U-M? I think it does. I forgot what it stands for. There's a book on it. Just go read it. Okay. I read this like five years ago. So you've assimilated it now so that when you're trying to explain it, it's yeah, just all... Yeah. And we've morphed it into our own system too. Okay. We're not super strict with following their plan. But well, I'm really interested in it and I feel like it would help me and I think... No, it's people, for teams. It's for teams, it's yeah. For teams. But that's okay. Okay. Classrooms are kind of like teams. Oh, well, hmm. Maybe not. Okay, anyway, yeah, you haven't helped me much. Okay, hold on. It So every every two weeks or every week or whatever, you're, however you long you decide that your sprint is, mm -hmm. you come up with a list of tasks that you think you can complete in those two weeks. You know, not just like a giant list of stuff you have to do, but it's like, I need to finish these things and you prioritize. Anything that you want to do but you can't fit into the that sprint, you put into your backlog. Mm -hmm. And then you have this giant backlog that eventually has to get done. But you prioritize every sprint, what has to be done. And there's points assigned because that's how you know how much you could do. Because you say this one is kind of like three points because it, you know, this is how complex it is. It's you, you compare it to other tasks that you've done. This one's 10. This one's really complicated. It's 21. And was that Liberace? Who's the <laughs> Fumigachi? Uh, the uh, Fibonacci. Fibonacci. Yeah, you use 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, 21, whatever. You keep going. You assign points to that. And if, it, if the number becomes too big, like over 21, you break it up into smaller numbers, smaller tasks. Anyway, that's too hard. People, I'm going to stop now. You just you described it very badly, <laughs> but it sounds great. Oh, God. It sounds great. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I want to know more about it. If you are part of a team that is unorganized and there's so much to get done that everybody is confused and you need some kind of order, uh -huh. read the scrum book, you'll love it, it'll help you <laughs> and your team. That's, that's Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna see if I, I can outdo you for our, reporting sure our thing will. for for uh, making it uh, lacking in value. Oh wow, Marshall. that's harsh, I'm, I am proud of you. <laughs> Why? Because you're finally being mean. Oh yeah, yeah.
it just cropped up out of me that it just took like four minutes to not get what scrub was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It really takes me messing up a lot for you to be mean, right? So that's what you're saying. Is I yeah, really yeah, you've it. earned it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What's um, your thing? This is an abstract idea, but it's this. When you asked me what my thing was several episodes ago, I said it was Ken Burns' The West, and I had only seen that documentary once. Okay. Well, since then... I've watched the entire thing again. It was even better the second time. Are you really reusing your no, thing? No, I'm not going to reuse it. It's I'm going for an abstract concept. If you ask me a few months from now, I'm going to say, I watched Ken Burns the West again. And it this will go on for years. And I've realized that this really is my thing. It's the kind of thing other people don't do. When I was a kid, my my parents told me that I used to sit in front of the record player and play a record over and over and over and over, countless times and Mm -hmm. over years too. I still do this. I watch movies. Uh, There are a number of movies that I've seen about 30 times, partly because I watch them with students and show them every semester uh, in a class. But sometimes it's just because it's interesting to go back over them that many times because some things yield the more you go out there. I read books multiple times over and over also. So that's my thing. You are cheating. Why? And now your insult really doesn't have any ground to stand on. How did I cheat? You reuse the thing. No, I didn't. Ken Burns the West was not my thing here. It's my thing is that I watch things over and over and over and over. <laughs> That's kind of, all right, whatever. I'm just kidding. I do like that idea. In fact, I was thinking about that. My son was watching Teletubbies mm-hmm. and I was watching it with him. And they repeat the same clip over and over again. In the mm-hmm. same episode, they play like the same like three minute clip mm-hmm. like five times. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, wait, what? They're cheating. The kids do that. They literally just made like a five minute episode and dragged it on for 30 minutes (laughs) just because the kid won't notice. (laughs) Oh, that's yeah. No, I think Melissa was like, no, that's the thing. Like kids need repetition. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I feel like (laughs) one of the tests of a movie, one of the tests of a book is, is it worth multiple readings? And if it is, if something's worth reading three, four, five, six, seven times, there's got to be something in there that yeah. this is this is rich. It yields. I think, but for kids though, there's something about actually seeing the same thing multiple times that it there's other value in it. I don't know. Well, just the the concept of repetition in itself yeah. is a thing. Well, I feel I like know. we've sort of uh, we're done. Let this balloon deflate to where now it just sits there as a sad, wrinkly thing. <laughs> You're describing Bang. yourself. I don't know how to end now. What do we do? We're done. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, Five-star review on iTunes. That's a must. If you haven't done that yet, you are bad at instructions. Let that be your thing. (laughs) Five stars, whether they deserve it or not. Oh, yeah. Five-star review, not just a rating. Oh, They have to say something worth five stars. Yeah. Like, this is the best podcast ever. I've replaced all my other podcasts with this one. It helps you feel superior when you're Repetition of this Re- podcast. Oh, yes. Listen to it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And what's the comment for YouTube? 
Which is your favorite habit for success that we went over? Oh, I've got an idea you for this. change mine? Take, yes, change yours. <laughs> Take these 23. This, is, this means that we'll get past the flippant con. I mean, I'm not going to pay attention to the flippant comments. I want the ones that are, uh, people are going to put some energy into this. How would you take these 23 and group them into oh, five or fewer? Oh, Jesus. You want them to do fewer. my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank to, you, Marshall. To, I like to say, this idea. Uh, how would you revise this to get it down to the simplest thing possible? Because it's easy to keep adding things onto it. It's hard to see if you can get that list down to something smaller okay all yes. right thanks Sorry. guys oh we'll boy we'll see you next week go yeah. ahead and do my job and help me uh figure out how to break up these habits in the several yeah. episodes bye sorry